You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. The music industry is lying to you. It is telling you that you are excited. And you are excited. And you are excited. Or rather, you have confused excitement with the fear of missing out. Which is understandable as these two feelings are very closely related. Focusing as they do on the heart and the groin and ending in a bloody mess, pregnancy tests and too little sleep. Our survey says that shouting inanities in a regional accent is valuable to culture. Look at EastEnders. Welcome to Axe to Grind, Overtime Edition. All the stuff that didn't fit on our other three-hour-long podcast. And this is a uh, uh, let's do the regular shit. What, what's your name there? I'm, I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. And welcome to the Axe to Grind Record Club. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love this exercise. This is a great exercise. It is. Uh, and we're going to be announcing the second record in the record club, but it was probably, we probably talked about it with our, our buddy Pat on the last episode. So uh, we'll talk about that. Before we do, Tom, can you do an impression of the clap that Patrick just did? No, can you geez. hear that? You didn't have, here, let me, let me do it. Really. That was like a snap. Here, let me, let me do it. Oh, come was on. That, was that a good impression? Or come on. Pretty much? All I'm going to say is now I know why he's single. Oh, oh. What? Because I, I, I don't know how to smack him properly? Is that what no, I, I, think, I think PK knows how to make him clap. You know what I mean? I get oh, it. Thank you. That's yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. Slap your face, Pat? Yeah, well, I don't have a. I, if I slap the table, I'm going to fuck up this whole recording shit. So yeah, I'm just. Don't you, have, don't you slap your other hand? Not with the mic in my hand. I, you know. Oh, you're holding the mic. Oh. We need to do the oh. the telescope arms. The the I think that's the move for us. I want oh, the Joe. I, I, I got it at home. I look like a fucking pro at home, but I'm currently I'm a refugee. I know. But I mean, you've been there long enough that you could probably buy one. Yeah. You record on a podcast. Tom, Tom, there's a lot of things that I could I should <laughs> probably do. You know what I mean? I mean, you got squatters right at this point. That's a fact. Yes, follow that. Follow that message to Dave. Change the locks and be like, "Hey, man, uh, please continue to pay the bills." However, <laughs> I, I am claiming uh, partial ownership now. Squatters' rights. I get the squatters' rights. <laughs> so, right not to put Dave on blast, but he actually rents this spot out. Uh, when he had tenants, he rented it out for like a really reasonable price that like made me want to. I couldn't Ooh, afford yeah. it, but if mm-hmm. I if I took on like an extra whatever like 10 hours a a month someplace doing something i could and it's tempting because it's just so it feels so far under market that it seems worth it like which is an idiot's perspective like i I don't know if any of your parents ever do this where they'll buy something because they got a good deal even though it's not a thing that they need or want you know what i mean they call that's, it, that's what they they talk about bill belichick he uh he's more excited that something's cheap than it is good <laughs> <laughs> He loves um, White Castle. Can we? Can we? Can we theoretically afford it as a crash pad? The A two G West Coast hub. Yeah, to tear. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah, we're adults. Can we, we can make afford that work. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. And, let's let's try to make that work. Just like we need a spot to go when we need to go. Uh, we want to Airbnb. Uh, well, that's what he's up to right now is like he's got to figure out what to do because bands aren't going to be touring for a while. He doesn't, you know, so uh, I don't know. But the, the spot is uh, I should. So you're I saying should, we can negotiate him down because he's desperate. Oh, yeah. We got to take advantage of him right now. Let's get him over lock in a long term, long term contract. I'm thinking four years with a declining uh, rent every year. <laughs> I Look, we're it. locking in, and we'll pay a, a big amount right up front. You don't have friends of twenty years if not to exploit them. That's right. Speaking of, <laughs> let's dive into a record from twenty-two years ago. Vision, Vision of Disorder, imprint, uh, released by Roadrunner in nineteen ninety-eight. Mm. Let's uh, let's talk about it first. I, I kind of like how we when we've done this, we haven't done this specifically before. Um, so the way the record club works for people who maybe weren't aware, we talked about this record a couple times and said, Hey, we're going to do this thing like a book club, but no boring reading like dummies. Yeah, uh, we that. just listen to the music. So, and we'll talk about, it. we got a bunch of tweets. we got a bunch of emails. we got a bunch of replies, all this cool shit. So we'll share a lot of that. Um, but before we do, let's talk about your experience with this record and or familiarity, each of us, uh, Patrick, why don't you start? Okay. Uh, I really, I would say that uh, Vision of Disorder, which, uh, I th- uh, wait, am I confused? What's st- which one is still? Hold on. Seven-inch. Um, the first seven-inch. Okay. Okay, all right. So, but did the seven-inch have, oh, no, okay. So still, it went for me, uh, self-titled. Then I own still, but I'm sure still came chronologically before self-titled. Right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, for me, it went self-titled. For everybody that might not be as familiar with uh, VOD, that is the weird green blop uh, album. Um, it's very distinct album art because it's fucking visual so nonsense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't uh, make any. I don't get it. Yeah, it, it's it's hideous in a way that I actually respect. Um, so. Uh, and I really enjoyed, uh, both those records at the time, sure. uh, or at least, or at least the hits on them, the, the hits probably. Um, and then imprint came out and I was, I could not have been less interested. I'm, I bought it, uh, and I have no memory of listening or enjoying it. Uh, so much so that I did not give from bliss to devastation, even a shot, which is the following the record following this, uh, and in some ways, I've made fun of VOD for a lot of years, um, even though I've always, I'm always quick to say that they got some jams. But it, that's my experience with VOD. Uh, the vid- you know, if you go on YouTube right now and watch them, he performs shirtless with nipple rings, and it gives me anxiety. <laughs> I think he's going to get torn off one day. It freaks me out, too. Yeah, it's really stressful. <laughs> what about you, Bob? All right. So, uh, VOD um, had had and mean, meant so little to me in terms of my hardcore development and coming up. Uh, I think I knew one person who, you know, went to my high school actively liked them and 
I wasn't necessarily close with them or anything like that. Uh, I had never heard this record until this activity. That's fine. What I no, yeah, right, and and like so everybody knows that's kind of we hope that there's a lot of that experience in this. Um, so part of it, I'll, I'll give my presumptions. I presumed that it was on the more new metal side of things. I presumed it was definitely on the more metal core-ish side of things. I wasn't totally sure because I, I also knew because the way you both appreciate and like them uh, at varying levels that there was like some good groove elements. Um, so I was, I was curious about it. Um, and yeah, it was a band like even, even the material that, that, I know more or have seen and have actually given a cursory listen to, uh, it wasn't that this material. So, you know, I've listened to still, um, and I believe I've heard or put on self-titled though. I couldn't really remember it. So, so going into this, I kind of assumed that there were going to be some elements like that, but I wasn't going to be, I was gave it a very open ear, but those were some of my presumptions before listening. Uh, I'm uh, before Tom, before you say your piece on this, I'm just going to correct myself, uh, for the bleeders came out immediately after this. And I do not remember that record at all. That came That's out more like a, yeah, that was a kind of a compilation record. That makes sense. Okay. Where they recorded like some songs over again. That makes sense. I, it, it didn't seem like a real thing. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So there was like stuff that I think was like on like the demo. That uh, which which I urge everybody to listen to for how embarrassingly bad and yet fun it is. See, I don't think it's bad. Oh, I think his vocals are so disagreeable on that demo that it is it is funny, and I say that respectfully because I think that those songs were beaten into into really good songs. But on that demo, I think that his he he was not there yet, or the recording didn't do it justice but his clean vocals on it are like really abrupt and not unflattering oh i mean yeah he definitely approves <laughs> yeah. um, so tom what, yeah. what's your what's your vibe with them i mean i remember getting that demo and kind of being um it must have been the 95 demo 94 i don't i don't remember whatever the fuck it was um just really kind of being shocked because it was different. Like it was pretty different from everything that was going on at the time. Um, they didn't have a bass player at the time, which I always thought was weird. Um, it was weird. Candy Ray didn't have a bass player at the time either. Also uh, weird. Yeah, two guitar players, no bass player. I never understood that. Um, yeah, so I loved the demo. That 7-inch I thought was pretty great. Um, I liked the Green Droplet album. Um we had uh, some of the dudes from Indecision worked at Roadrunner, so we had like gotten like the demos before they recorded that record, and the demos are actually better, oh. um, just recording wise and stuff like that. Um, there's a song called like on that first on that first LP. It's called like Ways to Destroy One's Ambition. Yeah, mm-hmm. the original title was 666 Ways to Destroy One's Ambition. Okay, so Very dramatic. Yes. Very corny, six six six, and then I, this record. We I remember being on tour, and like this is one of the few times I've ever actually stolen something. Um, I stole this record in Arizona at a record store across the street from the venue, <laughs> and I don't know why, but I stole the tape. 
Yo, is that is that a good podcast idea? I stole this, and it's just I, all I those stories, kind of things they stole. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, some some people could go on forever. What what's what's something you remember stealing, Patrick? Uh, I try hard not to steal anything. Uh, as an adult, as a kid, I'm sure I did. I don't recall as an adult. The only thing I steal consciously is food. And the only time that I steal it is when the line is too long, at which point I become a straight up anarchist. I say, fuck this shit. I'm not waiting in this line. Not to get everybody in trouble. You're going to see me outside of city hall protesting that I want to go to Olive Garden, even though I don't want to go to Olive Garden. It's just the fucking fact that when I'm told I can't do something, it fucking gets in my craw. And then I'm like, oh, you're going to make me wait in line. Patrick Kinlan, you're going to make me the Don, the God wait in line. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I got nothing else to do. Yeah, so Tom, Tom, Patrick, Patrick says anarchist God. I'm thinking Hamburglar, right? Like sneaking off through the side door, looking Just all around. Cool. Maybe cooler, honestly. The Hamburglar's yeah, got moves. Maybe cooler. Um, I, th- I, uh, I used to steal magazines from uh, the Kmart that was in my town, like like grips of them. And just to cut them up and put them up on my wall, like basketball magazines, different shit like that. And uh, and then I, I was like, oh, cool. I can do this. And then and then also take like PlayStation 1 games. Uh, cool. And then I, I realized I went through and checked. Usually I would check and realized like, oh, shit, this had like those like anti-theft alarm things in it. Mm. And it didn't go off. But I was like, all right, maybe – Maybe I stopped doing that. <laughs> I was like, I don't mostly out of fear of reprimand. Yeah. Sure. I really just didn't want to get in trouble. So embarrassing. You know. Yeah, exactly. Why did you need Paw Rapper the rapper? That was the yeah. game with the anti theft device. So funny. <laughs> Oddly enough, this is their biggest selling record. Oh, I believe it. I believe it too. I would think that first LP was bigger. No, this one I think was coasting on goodwill. Yeah. So so let's get into it. Um, Tom, you revisited this. This is a record you liked and, and knew decently. Yes. I hadn't listened to it in a long time, but yeah. Right. On your revisit, what what were your feelings, highlights, lowlights, thoughts on the sound overall? A little long. That would yes. be my number one. Um, I think the great songs are actually pretty great. Um I think looking at it now, and Pat, you'll probably get a, you probably researches too, but I just looked at it now. So it was recorded by D. Sardi, who did a lot okay. of like Bark Market and like Cop Shoot Cop and like oh, a lot yeah, of the yeah, okay. noisy shit from like the 90s in New York. Mm-hmm. So the sound makes a lot more sense. Wait, because it sounds something. D. Sardi. Dave Sardi, but they, he's known like his like professional name is D. Sardi, S A R D Y. I'm gonna have to ask if this is the guy that Andrew Andrew uh, formed a relationship with with one of the guys that came out of that scene, and we almost went and recorded with him. I, I, I'm curious if that's him, but uh, I'm sure it is. He lives in Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. Yeah, that might be him. Yeah, um, but he did like a bunch of stuff. He did like that. I, I, I love. I don't know if either of you guys ever got into Far. But he did like yeah. Water and Solutions. Yep. He did. He actually mixed the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers record, which I didn't realize. Um, I didn't realize that. But it definitely has, I feel like it has that kind of 
dirty, insane sound to it. I mean, not the music itself, but like just the recording wise. Um, I would cut this down by like maybe two songs, and I think it's a pretty solid record. Definitely I, long. I I I hear Bob doing like the tease of the big reveal that you. Oh, let me go this. in first then. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 um okay well what do you want do you want my i mean so i went and did an eight mile walk in the middle of the night and listened to this whole record i, I, I finished no, no no i finished no i'm not that fast of a walker um but i i cleansed the palate after this record was too long yeah just in general for me in general, but the songs were very long, but when I listened to it, I could hear so much of what, like if you cut these songs up, you can pick some of the stuff that, uh, they were pulling from, or maybe were sharing influences with, or, or, or could find some parallels within the greater world of hardcore and metalcore or whatever you want to call it yep. at the time. And then progressing it forward, I think you can hear a lot of this, this record specifically in a variety of hardcore bands of the past 12 years or so. Mm. Um, you think it's it, it, inadvertently, do you think those bands even realize it? Some and some not <laughs> for sure. I think some and some not. So, so okay, uh, musically, I hear parts that remind me of of Snapcase, um, parts that remind me of like the the more produced and, and cleaner stuff that Snapcase did, and this record actually is appear uh, to that, like you know, is is in parallel to that. Um, I see hear heavier stuff, like you can you can clearly hear the early '90s, like like Pantera kind of influence sure, in here. Sure. Um, I'm not super familiar with machine head, but like, yeah, I hear some of that. (laughs) Um, I hear a lot of stuff that leans in close to new metal, but a lot of that, if you were to write it off as purely new metal, which part of me was like, Oh my God, especially on the first listen. I listened to about three and a half times. Wow. Okay. Um, Impressive. Big, well, it's long, and that was the hard part. I was doing it because I wanted to listen to it. The first listen, I wanted to just shit my pants. I was not it's not so too hard. excited for it. But there's parts of it that are really interesting, and when they speed up the tempo, it's cool. Um, I'm a sucker for faster parts, right? Like that's a fucking given here, right? They there's a lot of radio elements to this, like. The the song that people reference was it Jada Bloom? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that song maybe is the best song on the record. It's also yeah. maybe the least resembling hardcore in any way. Uh, even though there's parts of it that if you just isolate, you're like, yeah, that 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 could be a hardcore part from a hardcore song. But it also has these like kind of late '90s post alt rock. You know what? You have a word for this, Pat. That's like the stone sour, the stains of the world. What is that term? Oh, shit. oh uh, that's active rock. That's active the rock. Active rock for sure. There's yeah. some active rock elements, but but okay. If you were going to write this whole thing off as new metal, 
you're judging it purely by the quality of the production on the record. It's it sounds big, it sounds clean and clear, and the vocal production. Um, and that's not consistent. It's just that there's parts where he's got an affected vocal. So in the same way that people were really unfair to No Warning, both on Ill Blood, but then way, way more on Suffer Survive, that like, oh, you did some vocal tricks here, there, and across this record that made people go, oh, this is new metal. Well, if that's new metal, then hardcore treads in that area very closely. Um, I think you could sonically pull out parts of this VOD record and compare it to Snapcase. I already said that. Code Orange. Um, Turnstile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the one. I would be surprised, and I would like to ask, but I'd be willing to bet that at least one member of the people who write music for Have Heart is familiar with VOD. Wow. Ooh, that, that, yeah, that's a take. I like it. So <clears throat> um, the songs are too long for me. Sometimes they have too many parts, but I think they were, and that's, that's kind of my question is like, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of the podcast, though. I don't know if Tom's met him, Sean duty about the faith, (laughs) um, and being, being curious about, uh, the writing process for the records and, and like, in what order were they writing some of these songs? Um, (laughs) but, but that's, that's something I was curious about for this was, when they wrote this record, was there, there an idea of like, hey, like like you you reference on a something coming up where a band was like, we we thought we had to write songs that were longer, right? And now we look back and we're like, why the fuck did we write a three plus minute song? We could have wrote this, you know. And and most many of these songs on this record are like four minutes plus. So um, that's my biggest complaint. With it. Six minutes and nine seconds. Right, right. What's the total runtime on the record? Do you have it up? Um, yeah, we got a uh, coming in at a cool, crisp forty six minutes and three seconds. Right, and it might be it, it might because I looked it up. It might be like forty three because apparently there's a Japanese version which has soul soul craft on it. Which they, track? Yeah, which they actually they uh, I don't know if it was Crisis or Revelation put out a seven inch. Yeah, a VOD seven inch. I think it was called like Resurrecting Reality or something. Yep, and it had like a. Uh, an original and that and it's actually i mean you can't really cover the bad brains but they do a pretty decent job yo the bands who attempt it either fail miserably or can do pretty good i i i, I actually could see vod being able to pull it off somewhat but you're that wrong you know what yeah, i mean very that's cool tough to um the song clone has a funny part that's like that's the part what's funny to me is the last two tracks on the record proper are clone then jada bloom one Jada Bloom would have been my alt rock like send to radio single, right? Yeah, it's the last yeah. track on the record. What? Uh, two, clone. Please tell me, you guys might know better than me. Is that an older song that was re-recorded? I don't believe so. That sounds like the most you know, quote unquote, close to hardcore. If if you were going to be disparaging, because it's got these talkier parts through it. Like like uh, we noted that Dave Ackerman said that. He was hearing what? It was like uh, like new metal and abolition. <laughs> new mission, new metal and abolition. And he expanded on that to me as being like, you know, a couple of the songs sound like they could be lost tracks off the XXX, XXX comp if they were, you know, if the recording was different. And I was like, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, 
there's a couple transition like transitions or lack thereof that made me think very specifically of Code Orange Forever and the heaviness there. Right. Um, sub out any kind of like more industrial stuff, but like you know this record makes sense in the placement of it. How big was this record when it came out? I feel like it kind of wasn't that. Uh, that's why I was shocked that it was such a big their biggest seller because I feel like this came out and people were like, meh. Compared uh, to that first record. That first record, dude, they were fucking, they took off like immediately. Right, right. I mean, they were a name, like I should clarify too, like the, the version of hardcore I got into was really uh, rooted in punk and the classics, you know, like like that was kind of the group of, of dudes I was into it with was m- more likely to listen to a punk band than than a heavier hardcore band but like we all knew who vod was just because that was one of the that was just a name you knew if you were into underground music at all just because they were very big yeah of course pk so yeah so okay so right now uh uh, let's see what i'm looking at right now is that okay, so demonstrating my style came out. Oh no, set it off came out on Roadrunner. Okay, so really, Madball was the was really the really the band that yeah yeah brought that over to Roadrunner. I, I tend to think of VOD as right in that class, but really, Madball preceded them by years. So like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. This record. Okay, firstly, let's let's just talk about how big I remember it being. I remember it being, like I said, a goodwill record where people felt the la- the record previously. I don't remember this record being that big either, uh, but I think it was. I think it was like the natural bigness that Roadrunner releases had. So like, right, and they were on big tours and shit, and they were doing fucking Ozfest and you know. Right. So by my memory, it was. I kind. I uh, here's what I think. I think. That despite the record before this, I think also being on Roadrunner, I saw them. I didn't see them after that. I didn't see them on this record. You know what I mean? Like I, I, right, I, I don't think they were playing shows you would have gone to on this record. That first record, you might have seen them with Earth Crisis. You might have seen them with, you know, Madball or fucking. They played with Warzone. Like they played with everybody. Right. I don't know if they were necessarily. They were doing corn shows this time. Yeah, precisely. I, I definitely didn't see them after this, and I probably honestly saw them playing these songs because I would have seen them like the year prior, you know. Sure. So, yeah. uh, but I don't remember them after this, and uh, it fell off my radar, like I said. Uh, but look, there's people that we know who we respect their musical tastes who ride for this really hard, and this made a big impression on them. Now, Bob, I'd say that they. They tend to be. Uh, you're, you, you are the youngest here. You're, you, you, you know, and, and that's true. <laughs> really, really true. Super true, actually. We can say it. And uh, I think younger than you by like two, three years. You know what I mean? These I, guys, I th- VOD. No, 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 no. People. Oh, people, yeah, that, people younger than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, p- people that took people that made that this this record made an impression on were a couple years younger, I think. So well, that was going to be my question to both of you. Was that 
my my impression was the still record is the record I think of when I think of the band. Like there's those record covers you associate with the band, you know, yeah. whether you're into them or not. That's the one you saw at the record store. That's the one you saw the people who had it, people you knew who had it, had that one, whatever, whatever. Is our perspective on it being like, oh, we this record, eh, not that big. I think we're saying it, but to hone in, do you think this is the record where they were kind of like phasing out of the hardcore part of their career and phasing more into their metal part of their career and not not in a negative way, just in the, hey, they're hitting OzFest, they're hitting Corn Tours, they're hitting X, Y, or Z, you know? So, Bob, I don't know if Tom, I don't know if Tom mentioned if he's close with these guys or uh, even on like a, uh, like on a, are you on a what's up level? Uh, no, we played with them and they walked through the, our backstage area like 15 times and then say hello. So I'm saying we're not what's up. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Yo, we're not what's up is a good like uh, place. We're not what's up. Like legitimately had to walk through our room to get to places and did not acknowledge us. The main support band on their big return show at Irving Plaza. Uh, okay. So. So yeah, no, I, we're not. We're not what's the, up. The, not what's up. Me, no, but not what's up. Were you not what's up? So let me speak. Let me speak. Um, but you're also speak not. Cool. But you're also not what's up. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good. Like, hey, what's up? And we're not like what's up. Yeah, right. yeah, it's a good place to be. Walk between those paths, but. Sure. Uh, but here's what I'm saying is, uh, I'm gonna make some. Uh, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna shit on them a little bit. <laughs> you're gonna make some disparaging remarks, okay? So. Uh, Bob, I'd say that you don't need to be delicate here. Uh, I don't know if they ever wanted to be a hardcore band. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't, that's not, that's not a crime. You know what I mean? That's the, I'm not mad, but I think that from the self-titled on, they had way larger aspirations and it was seemed obvious, you know? Well, so, so, so that's something I think that we, we talk about and sometimes we dance around it to be nice or not. And like, and sometimes it's, it's just something that hits. A reality is sometimes a band starts and sonically they fit closest to hardcore or they, they like hardcore or that's one of the things they sort of influence. I listened to a podcast with the dudes from Pearl Jam today and, the, and you know, Eddie Vedder's talking like, yeah, man, I, I listen to the Bad Brains every night and would play basketball and listen to the Bad Brains. Like, that's, that's what I did. That's what it was about. Yeah, but Pearl Jam wanted to be a rock band and play fucking arenas with the Chili Peppers right away, and that's cool. Um, but and so I think there's Island, especially at the time, hardcore was so big, right? That it was kind of like enveloped everything, right? So, Yo, so they could have had aspirations outside of it, and like, hey, this is just where they are. But to them, there was no concept of like, like I wonder if there's a concept like I, there was no selling out to them. It was like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, oh, we could live off this band and, like, play fucking Nassau Coliseum? Sick, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, yo, motherfucker, I got nipple rings. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is what it is. Like, Call me I'm Andrew not... Cuomo. Yeah, call <laughs> me Andrew Cuomo. I've been wearing a suit every day since. Yeah, yeah what happened? Yeah. You're so, a freak. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Um, I think that this was a clear fire us the fuck out of small rooms now record. Uh, and this one, I, I think it's almost effective. I, 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 I liked it way more, way more on this listen than I did as a kid. Way more. I thought that there was for what it is. It's, it's a good record for what it is, man. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I agree with both of you. These songs are overlong 
in, in a way that is damaging. But as far as a, uh, and Bob, I'd, I'd be curious to hear uh, y- your perspective on this because uh, I, I know the youngest, that like, right. yeah, because you're the youngest. No, because okay. So Bob, this would have been a hard sell for you, even if it was brilliant. Is that fair? Oh, stylistically, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so, <clears throat> like I don't think I have so. Is this good at what it's trying to be? And my answer is, yeah, pretty good. Like, there's certainly no question with the competency. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think they're clearly competent players. Uh, but go ahead. Were you going to specify? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go can, one step I can further. go forward, but you go for it. I'm going to go one step further and say, here's the. but here's my question to you. It would have been a hard sell for you regardless. Does this sound unique to your ear? Or does it sound like so much other uh, hard? If we use the word post hardcore, it's a it, it's it's a fucking a spit yeah. in the yeah. eye of quicksand. So uh, that's not what we mean. We mean the other no. type of the other type of post hardcore. Um, post hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Does this you, honestly? Does this uh, here? And this isn't to like fucking put you on the spot saying that you no. can't tell the fucking difference. This is just to say that in the same way that. Uh, floor punch and mouthpiece to me might as well be the same. You know what I mean? Despite the fact that if in my conscious mind, I understand there's significant musical differences, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Right, right, right. Is this from autumn to ashes to your ear? Oh no, 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 no. Okay. Okay. No. So to me, sonically, this is like, if I was going to, what's the, what's the snap case record? Um, automation. Nope. No, no, no. The one after that. It's the bigger one. Let's it's see. like 2000. It's uh, automation, something or another. Designs for automation. Design for, design for automation. automation. So designs for automation is the smart, I go to college kid version of this. This is the OzFest version of that. Um, I think that <clears throat> like this is the, we'd like to be played on metal radio, whereas uh, designs for automation is we'd like to be played on college radio. So I could see why people would like this. I could see why this could be a real transition record for someone who listens to something like Corn or listens to something like 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 this band could have gone on tour this this iteration of this band could have gone on tour with Deftones and I don't think people would have thought that was totally out of pocket, right? Would have been totally appropriate. Right. So that's that's the thing to me. I don't think like to me it's not that this sounds like just so much other stuff um and it's way less like brazen, I'll say is a good way to put it in the way that they're approaching. Like it, it, what you said, I can't really speculate if I, if this was the record they wrote to try to like, let's get out of the VFW space. Let's get out of the small hall space, but it rings true to me. It sounds like, yeah, that, that, that tracks. And I think the way they went about it was less goofy. Like this band it doesn't seem like they wanted to be corny at all. Like I'll say that too. Like it didn't, it didn't come off as lame or cheap. Um, I think that some of the ways they tried to get, you know, into a different space may have actually ended up undermining their existing fans. Cause I think the songs, like we said, songs being too long 
to me for a band coming from a more underground space trying to hit mainstream is always an indicator that you're trying and you're maybe missing the signal, you know, um, because it's like this form. It's like, oh, yeah, you can't. What do you mean your songs are two minutes long? We need it like three to three thirty, buddy or more. Um, and I think that there's nothing like garish about this, the way that a lot of like the wannabe new metal of the time, like the, the bands, the local openers on corn tours likely were, you know, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. I, I'm glad you said Deftones. I'm the least capable of talking about the Deftones of, of anybody I know because I have never liked them uh, and really haven't given like a huge portion of their catalog even a shot. Uh, but that's, that seems like the most appropriate – like. This this is kids that probably grew up on hardcore trying to split the difference between Pantera and Deftones, and I think that that is oh, yeah. worlds. I think that that is worlds away from from Autumn to Ashes and and a lot of the Ferret sort sort of stuff that came later. A lot of the Trust Kill stuff. Like Absolutely. I think it's world. I think it's worlds away, and I think that this record is more successful at at attempting to be the alt rock metal band than many more successful bands were. So mm. I don't love this record at all, 
but I, I, if you, there's three tracks on here that if you put them on a mix for me, I'd be very satisfied with that. Hmm. Hmm. Tom, who, who, uh, a, a younger person now is a fan of what band that you would say, Hey, you need to check this record out. Like a younger person who, is it somebody who loves turnstile? Is it somebody who loves incendiary? Is it somebody who loves code or who would you say, Hey, you like this band. You, you should check this out. I think if you like all those bands named, if you like Knocked Loose. Oh, sure. Oh, if yeah, you like, sure. I mean, I think, you know, if even if you're a kid that likes 90s stuff, like, you like fucking 18 Visions, you would like, if you like, you know, any of the heavier late 90s, early aughts band, if you like fucking Poison the Well, if you like, I mean, I think this is, I think it's, I, I find it um, interesting that you guys think this is like the quote-unquote sellout record, because I feel like, they did like the opposite of what they could have done and they made it like grimier. I feel like that first record was like, we're going for a fellas. And then this is the more like dirty, like we bought a coalesce record mm. for me. Oh, I think, I think there's, there's heavy parts here, but, but yeah, those, there's definitely the, heavy parts, but, but the vocals, listen, whatever he was trying to dial in on that first LP, I think he really achieved here. I just think that the, the that they worked against themselves with these song lengths and some of what's going on. I th- but I think that uh, that's the sell. You're never going to get clean vocals from a hardcore band that don't make me feel like they're shooting for something. Sure, but I mean, I think. Do you dig the clean vocals at all or no? So I actually, I think I was totally turned off from them as a kid, and that's what pushed me away from this record. It, like, again, I don't remember. I just remember just not liking this record. But yeah. on this, listen, I'm way more open to them than I ever have been. And I think, yeah. that's because I, rec- that's, I think it's because I recognize they're, that they're well done. Because that from Bliss to Devastation record is more singing. Right, and I think I never even gave that for that reason. Yeah, I think they, they leaned into the, I like Stone Temple Pilots, I like Alice in Chains lane mm-hmm. right um yeah i think i think musically like if you take these songs they might resonate more with me than some of the stuff that we mentioned that's like the trust kill ferret like version of metal like the from autumn to ashes kind of stuff a few years later because it feels even further away from stuff to me a little bit the vocal production puts it there and it's the song length honestly I think that some of these songs just have a bunch of parts and that that loses me a little bit. But, you know, it wasn't like, especially in the language of hardcore in 2020, like, I think this is a, a record that a lot of people could really take a lot from and, and be into without question. And it might open your ears to some other stuff. I, I mean, that middle point between Pantera and Deftones, might sound a little unfair uh, given that what the re- placement is, but if those are bands you like, um, if you like heavier hardcore, then this record certainly, if you like heavier hardcore and you're not scared of a longer song, <laughs> dive into this for sure. Yeah, if you do pot, like, cause it's 420, <laughs> you definitely this. and I gotta be honest, that song by the river with Phil Anselmo is fucking insane. So that one, weirdly, I saw people in our mentions, and I guess, I guess that's probably where we'll go next. That's where we're going I, next. I saw people in our mentions talking about that song. Weirdly, that is not one of the ones that like fucking like resonated with me on this listen, which I thought uh, maybe I'll listen again. But I, I that's my favorite song on the record. That and Jada Blow. 
Jada Bloom is definitely the one that like, you know, you could hear that probably getting played somewhere, you know. Yeah, that was my favorite song on the record. Yeah, that's, that's, a, prom, that's a prom jam right there. Yeah. Is that the uh, I skipped prom and I'm trying to make out with this girl behind the football stadium jam? Is that the – I definitely put that on a mix. I honestly do not know what, what girl was – I don't know. I didn't know women that were listening to to VOD when I was in high school. <laughs> that was a world I wasn't – you know. I'm surprised by that. Certainly at the shore there was uh, some of that. Yes. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, all right. Let's, let's hit some of the, the record club – folks um i'm going to start with the emails because emails are awesome if you have thoughts on stuff please send it to us at axe to grind podcast at gmail.com uh first record club being vod i had to at least contribute uh this is colton colton what's up you're the very first email um i want to touch on what you said uh, about vod and the relative in today's sphere as of getting into the genre in 2016 and coming from late 90s new metal, VOD was one of the first deep cut bands I attached to. And I loved all the material from Imprint in back with the still EP being my favorite for basically the self-titled demos, but the production is what I love about it. There's a certain atmosphere to it that is mind-blowing. Yeah. Going from self-titled to Imprint is a pretty big step in sound for the band, not quite completely changing their sound, but more taking a diagonal step forward in terms of sound. Well, I like the way they put that, which is hard to explain because the sound of self-titled and still are not exactly easy to pinpoint one exact sound to give a jumping off point with groove, mosh parts, staccato vocals, clean vocals that are most of the time layered to create this intriguing sound. Mix that with Tom's high pitched fucking throat ripping vocals. And you got something amazing. Tim, not Tom. Yeah, uh, he said Tim, and I, I said Tom. My oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> then they go to Imprint, and I feel like they heard Converge, Botch, and Bloodlet before recording the record. Hmm. No. Because they all of a sudden go from more of an atmospheric groove on self-titled to the ripping, out-of-pocket at moments, fast metallic sound on Imprint. While cranking up the number of clean sections that are some of the more catchy hardcore I've heard, especially on the first three tracks. I mean, the chorus on what you are is very much of its time while being timeless. When I first put that record on when I was 13, I had this feeling of, damn, I've heard this before, even though I know I never had. That's how timeless this record is. Keep up the great work. Awesome. And he says, as we're getting into the genre in 2016 and coming from late 90s, maybe he said 96. Who knows? Um, Maybe he meant to type something else. But um, yeah, I actually – do you think this record sounds of the time or timeless? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean of the time, but I I was not cringing when I listened to this. Yeah, this is definitely the, yeah. I could I think that's a fair. I think of the time, but the production puts it in a place where I think no one would blanch at it. No one in no 2020 years would be like, eh, you know what I mean. Um, whereas you know there are you know, records that I'm, I'm certainly listened to that the people are like, yeah, it sounds like shit, you know? Um, okay. Uh, I have a DM. Go for it. Can I read it? Cool. Um, this is Drew from perfect world from Long Island. He's from Long Island. The band's on, Shut up, um, Drew. you know, Drew, I think you would know. Um, it's the album everyone hated on at the time, especially Long Island hardcore kids, but everyone loves now. I've been crucified for saying it before, but I'll say it. Uh, imprint is VOD's best record. Why? Because it was different. They broke what the metal hardcore collective DNA was at the time and encouraged bands to think outside the box. Tim proved vocally he had one of the best voices in aggressive music. If you disagree, just listen to the duet 
um, by the river. When I first heard that song, I had a hard time differentiating between him and Phil. It was recorded live, and I'm glad it has a raw sound compared to all the other polished turds that were out at the time. It's got a great mix of groove, thrash, and hardcore, and doesn't ever feel overplayed. They should have broken up after this album, but instead we got from Bliss to Devastation. And then he added this, and I remember this, and Bob, you might remember this. Interesting tidbit. After Capo saw them, he had them signed to his short-lived Roadrunner imprint, Super Soul. That's right. That's I think that was their window onto Roadrunner, was through Super Soul. Right, and then they were like, we're going to take this. Yes, correct. <laughs> Upstreamed, or however you call it. Thank you, Drew. Uh, uh, Race says to us, Long Island head here. Another old friend of Tom's. Yeah. Race Castoro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Out, I fucking loved it. Production was leaps better than the glossy versions of the self-titled songs we had known from the demos in 7-inch. They walked the line of hardcore metalcore so well. While I don't think they were able to toe the same line with the next full length from Bellis' Devastation, I do think they had some good tracks too when I first heard it. But after imprint, I put it on. After imprint, I put it on, and some of it just didn't hold up for me. Then they went on to find the new metal sound they were thinking would be the more successful sound. On the table is the jam on that one. All right, standout tracks for him: What You Are, Twelve Steps to Nothing, Landslide, By the River, of course, Imprint, Locus of the Dead Earth. Up in you, Jada Bloom, of course. And he says, this song is as VOD as it gets. Um, early VOD shows were the absolute best. Mm-hmm. Roxy on Long Island with Corn and Life of Agony. Coney Island High, Wetlands, and of course, the PWAC show cemented them as one of Long Island's tops forever. Thanks for the hardcore content. Cool. Good good email. Yeah, there was always like a famous story that they opened for Corn at like the Roxy and like when corn was like really fucking taken off and literally like 75% of the crowd walked out after VOD. Wow. Like when they were still like a seven inch band, you know yeah. what I mean? Long Island. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Thomas I, says local stuff right there. Just listened to be honest. I've never really given VOD a shot before. Didn't suck, but I also don't understand why I've seen and heard so many people riding hard for this band. I suppose it was a perfect time and place thing. I feel that the guitar tone and vocals are very representative of their time. Definitely new metal to my ears, i.e. Yep. mids on minus one. Uh, overall, it reminded me a little of Deftones for some reason, which is cool because I do like the Deftones quite a bit. Overall, a pretty enjoyable record that I might revisit in the future, but I don't see how the cult status of this band came about like i said before must have been a perfect time and place deal i missed that time and place because i was a four-year-old in baltimore when this came out not 17 on long island so take that what it's worth p.s i didn't see that anselmo feature coming at all 98 must have been a weird time (laughs) i mean i think i mean i think listening to it with 2020 ears for the first time you're like i don't get like all right cool this is fine but i think in 1998 this wasn't really a thing yet. No. To this extent. And I think that's why, like, I think it is maybe a time and place. Like, it's not embarrassing in any way, but, like, if you are listening to it now, it's like, you know, like, bands like fucking Knocked Loose and, like, Code Orange have, like, raised the bar. So it's kind of like, oh, this is quaint. Sure. Comparatively. I don't yeah. know if this is the same Colton emailing us twice, but we have another Colton, and it seems like it's not the same email. So oh, VOD record is so cool to me. A 26-year-old from Utah who's into mostly heavy core. Having no experience with this band and very little 90s hardcore before this, this is the best combo of hardcore, new metal, metal, rap, and grunge I've heard so far. Maybe sprinkle in some 90s alt-rock also. 
This band seems to combine these elements so seamlessly. A few songs on this had me crowd-killing boxes in the back room of my grocery store job, but namely Lotus of the Dead Earth. If I had discovered this in middle school, like I did Deathcore, I probably would have been into hardcore in general sooner, but also 90s hardcore before now. Thanks and keep mm-hmm. doing it, Colt. Well, Thanks, Colt. That's the whole point. Totally. Um, yeah, do, do, do. Cool. yeah we, we'll keep reading a few of these, and, and in the future I'll probably try to disperse them so we can all read them. PK, you sure. had some thoughts? No, I'm just going to say that I really I enjoy, I enjoy these. I'm I like the uh, sentimental stories from people's youth, but I I really enjoy the people that are just dropping in to be like, yeah, never gave it a shot. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. N- Matt says uh, a few things here. I remember a lot of people liking Imprint by VOD in high school. They were the same kids who liked Slipknot and Mudvayne, so I always wrote them off as new metal. Listening back now, I hear the math noise metal parts a la Coalesce or early 18 Visions. It's definitely competent metalcore. I am well aware they have a hardcore following within New York. I'm still not 100% sold on it, but they probably sound incredible live. Uh, I also want to link you guys to an incredible Biohazard video that could be worth a watch at some point. Okay, we'll watch that at some point. Thanks, Matt. Good email. Let's see here. But could Matt know that this is a band that walks through other people's green room? <sighs> well, now, now he does. Now he knows. And fillet us. He knows. Yeah, All right. So firstly, another Matt, different Matt. Uh, firstly, I've only been in hardcore for about a year and a half to two years at this point. I've been Welcome. a fan of the bands. Yeah, exactly. That fall into the adjacent circles and metalcore that leans hardcore, such as title fight. And every time I die for a long time, though. So this is the first time I have ever heard, listened to anything VOD before. And I have to say I was blown away from the get-go. I didn't know what to expect at all, and I think that it, that made it much more enjoyable. I've already listened to the album multiple times, and I'm going to do a deep dive through all of VOD's discography. Cool. The musicianship on Imprint is very tight and intricate, but it's played so cleanly you would think this was a band's later album, not their sophomore effort. I think the three-plus-minute length works for some songs, but not the entirety of the album, but I enjoyed it all the same. I mentioned being a longtime fan of Every Time I Die earlier because my first comparison in sound was to them. The main differences being VOD is less riffy and draws out time signature changes a few measures longer. But the changing beat throughout, I love in both bands. Overall, I love the record and can't wait to listen to everything VOD. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I love that because uh, I, I, I like we've got one, one I'm not interested in this, one uh, I thought this was pretty good, and Tom uh, advocating that this is. <clears throat> somewhat unsung. Uh, so we're all over the place on this one. And I like that there is a listener that just has 100% their, their own lane on this and just loved it out the gate. That, that makes me feel nice because I'm not VODs. I'm not, yeah, that's the point. I'm not VODs agent. Uh, I'm, but I'm happy to turn anybody on to anything that, uh, fucking makes their day better. Uh, that said, uh, the, uh, what he made, Oh, the, every time I die thing, yeah. So, yeah. so weird that that didn't occur to me. I don't think they sound alike, but they could easily be for the same fan. Easily. 100%. Ty- who, what was that? That was an email from Matt. Someone, uh, Tyler, first time listening, and I'm curious if every time I die, I would have cited this as an influence at some point. You, you could be 100% right because this is definitely in that same vein. True. True, true, true. Okay. As, as every time I die, it's not as like, it's a little bit more laid back. 
not as much, not so like every time I die is like more like. It's, I'm not saying more frenetic. It has more yeah. groove. Yeah, and like VOD is like more of like a, a, a heroin groove. Heroin groove is a cool term. I like that. Let's let's keep that in the vernacular. Yeah. Um, hitting. Twitter for a second before we close off on some more emails. Uh, Late Bloomer, band from North Carolina. Uh, said, oh, yeah. I got some camo shorts, ball necklace, and wife beater on, and I gotta say this album shreds, brother. <laughs> um, Not wrong. Borbley, uh, big hardcore dude from Mass. Yeah. What's up, dude? Brian? Def- In all ways. <laughs> yeah. Big hardcore dude, big hardcore dude. Yeah, right. Def hated this when it, when it came out. We'll revisit. Update. Still hate. I tried. Hey, that's fair. Yeah. Um, probably Marshall Law. So this is Tom Z XVX. Tommy Hardcore from Rhode Island. Yeah. Probably the most disappointing album of the year. Still is amazing. The self-titled, while not as raw or powerful, was still a great debut album to the masses. This was a letdown on a massive scale. Far too metal, too Ozfest. Just with clunker all around from me. Also, their live shows in this era really started to suffer. No pun intended. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let's see. It's fine. John De- John DeCio says it's fine, but it doesn't slap as hard as I thought it did when it first came out. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Thank you for that. Um, Scuba vs. God says, got this record in 98 or 99, and every year since I've probably listened to it at least a week straight wow whoa favorite vod record and one of my personal favorites drumming is yeah, insane riffs are out of left field go ahead what was that wait so this is, this is scuba steve there you go uh, from hesitation wounds yes yeah uh this this that's an interesting take i did not expect him to feel so strongly about this he he likes this record a lot yeah oh drumming is insane riffs are out of left field I actually think that's one part. The drumming on this record stood out to me. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mention that. It really does. It's and it sounds great. There's a few things that choice-wise, like there's a couple parts with China that I don't really like as a personal thing. But but it, the overall sound of the drums is is big and adds to the the sonic nature of this. Um. Okay, never spent much time with Heat Breezy, Brandon. Never spent much time with VOD. Never realized this record predated so many records that dot, 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 borrowed heavily from it. This record rules, though. Okay. Let's see here. Yeah, that's sick. What'd you say? What's that? What'd you say, Pat? That guy's name was Hate Breezy? Hate Breezy. Yeah. He's a friend of ours, a friend of mine from 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 uh, Washington. What's up? Uh, what were you glad, saying glad about Mike Scandato? Mike Scandato did a whack record. <laughs> That's what he wrote. Uh, <laughs> Ryan McClure wrote, "I feel like Norma Jean took a lot from this. I love Norma Jean, but I can't get into this for the backup butt rock vocals." Yo, I am zero percent familiar with Norma Jean. Do you think that Norma Jean took anything from this record? Uh, wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I think we treat Norma Jean like they exist on an island because they're Southerners and Christian, uh, but they they definitely had access to Roadrunner records. It would not shock me at all. Mm. Very true. Um, I'm going to go to the email. There's a good one from Andrew Kissler. What's up, Andrew? Um, all right, so to start off, this is probably going to end up being more 
about their self-titled The Weird Water Drip one, but first I'll talk about Imprint. So Imprint is a really solid, heavy, hardcore record. Overall, I think they really got into their groove and got better at their respective playing and or vocals. However, I almost feel like it's to their detriment. The singer vocals are now firmly divided into either yells or singing, which to me is almost never something I go for. It's part of the reason I never fully got into metalcore, at least, or at least seen kid pop metalcore. I prefer it when the vocals are straightforward yells or are the singer's voice getting progressively more distorted and not true clean contrasted with heavy. Now, there are gen- a lot of genuinely cool moments on this album. Like, Clone is a solid track. The melodic parts of Jada Bloom are nice. Landslide is a fucking bomb track, as is Locust of the Dead Earth. So in no way is it a bad album. To me, it's more that it's not Vision of Disorder, as in it's not the first album. End up feeling a lot more technical than their first effort. Like the guitar parts and riffs were swirly instead of being straightforward groove. Just doesn't have the same bounce. Now, this may be surprisingly because I'm only 20, but the first album is probably my favorite 90s hardcore album. No offense, Tom, Unorthodox is really fucking awesome. (laughs) Partially, that may just be because it was the first heavy hardcore album I listened to. It showed up in a random playlist on Spotify that had Life of Agony on it, and I'd heard the intro to Element and was immediately hooked. Like for me, almost no other album of the time has that pure punch. Like the shifts and jumps in Liberation got me instantly headbanging. The intro to Element makes me want to punch somebody in the face. The yell of, Father, where did you go? in Viola gets me to snarl. (laughs) To me, can you tell I've never heard that song? To me, this album is just punching groovy and it hits exactly how I want it. And you can forget. And you can't forget. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't forget Stuffer or DTO. Like, fuck, I love this album so much, and it's definitely one I want to track down a CD copy of to keep in my car. Anyways, that's a bit rambly, but that sums up my opinion. I like Imprint a lot, but it doesn't hold a candle up to the self-titled LP. So, yo, long, long piece there, but I thought it was interesting. Good points. What about a 20-year-old who just gets something randomly and, and feels it as deeply as, as our buddy uh, Andrew did? Yo, that, I love that. Yeah, that's a Spotify success story. Huge, huge success. So I, uh, I think that's cool. If you have other stories like that where you, you kind of clued into a record, I don't want to say randomly, but it kind of is through the algorithm that, uh, damn, that's cool. You know? I mean, yeah, Spotify has like, you know, like the classic hardcore or all this different shit. Like yep. if you go on there because like you know you've heard Life of Agony and then it's like, you know – like pure noise did one, a few different like different ones, and like they include like everybody. Yep. So like you know you're going on there for Knock Loose, like we're on like a playlist with Knock Loose and like Indecisions on there. Yep. Well, so, so it's like maybe that's how you find it. Like I mean that's awesome. That's well, exactly what it's meant to do. And the hope is that they find it and then explore it in a, a deep way, not just like oh that was cool. Let me listen to this. Okay, cool, got it. Next. So uh, that's cool. That's kind of the record club idea. Um, here's here's a uh, here's a response from uh, Jeremy Balm of uh, uh, Touche Amore and Hesitation Wounds. Uh, capital letters, capital letters, big fan. <laughs> they got Phil Anselmo to sing on a hardcore record. Right, you know he makes a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, Listen to that song again, man. When Phil Anselmo holds that fucking scream out for like. 45 seconds and it comes into a fucking mosh thing not like a hardcore mosh bar like a metalcore mosh bar it's yeah. pretty cool. 
So that's going to be part of our, our questions for Jeremy when he comes on with us. So, um, all right. Wyatt says, love this record club concept and somehow I've never really dived into this VOD record before. VOD is an odd one for me as a lifelong New Yorker. They come up all the time in hardcore conversations, especially in the New York area. But when I listen to their records, I hear 100% new metal. Not <laughs> good Seinfeld moment here, Wyatt. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I was nine years old when this album came out, 1998, and it was wow. around that time that I first became aware of heavy music, mostly through new metal bands like Korn, Slipknot, Deftones, System of Down, etc. While I've had 22 years since then to explore all sorts of heavy music through countless records and shows, mostly in the New York metro area, including Long Island, new metal will always hold a special place in my heart as the gateway to classic hardcore metal punk and everything under the heavy umbrella, despite, despite sounding dated as fuck. Being a child in 1998 and thus unable to attend shows, I never got to see what VOD or the scene around them were all about in their heyday. So all I know are the records. And while I listen to the records, and when I listen to the records, excuse me, they sound exactly like something I would have burned onto a CDR with Mudvayne, Tool, and Nothing Face in 2001. <laughs> Highly enjoyed this record as a piece of nostalgia for the area, despite being completely unaware of it when it came out. Am I insane? No. No, no I don't think that's insane. But I, I think it was the jumping on point for a lot of people, and there's no harm in that. You know what I mean? We all started somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Biohazard was nine, my new metal. Yeah, that, that was the thing that everyone's fucking new jacks listening to Biohazard. Well, that's what I loved. Oh, and I mean that's that's a story for lots of people, lots and lots of people. Biohazard <laughs> is that band for so many people, especially in New York, New Jersey, upstate Connecticut. You know, like you you find that from a lot of people. And the older folks would make fun of you for it, but yeah. it all fucking evens out in the end. Yes, it does. Uh, Alistair, one of our frequent emailers. What's up, Alistair? Now we're talking. I got into VOD after becoming obsessed with Shelter's Mantra record, following the Super Soul record label link to the Drip record and falling in love. I, I was a Kerrang! kid in the UK, and hardcore exposure was via the bigger labels. Sick of it all, Madball, and Sick of it all, Biohazard, Madball, and Life of Agony. But VOD was a dirtier, noisier thing that crossed over with my more metal leanings. I also thought Tim was cool as fuck. In my honest opinion, Imprint is the VOD record. I love it wow. way over still, but I love every record, including from Bliss. And the two new, new, newer records have some bangers. I honestly reckon I'd take Imprint over any other metal, metalcore, metallic hardcore record, including Earth Crisis. Wow. One blot on my copybook. I blew out the chance to see VOD opening for Sick of It All in Edinburgh to go see Machine Head and Napalm Death and er, Coal Chamber in Glasgow. Haunts me to this day. Finally, actually saw them live on a recent tour in Glasgow. Small crowd, but I thought it was awesome. And I still thought Tim was cool. Side note, Roadrunner yeah. Records getting metal bands to do hardcore covers as bonus tracks ruled. Fear Factory covering Your Mistake and the Machine Head cover of Hard Times were gateway tracks. Thanks, Alistair. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah Glasgow did. Uh, did he do Fame? Mm. Yes. Oh, was it Fame? It was definitely no Modern Love Story. Modern Love Story. Oh yeah, um, that's right. I remember when that happened. It was a big deal, huh? Um, so Rodney emailed. Um, his name is Rodney King. So, hello, amazing. Wow. I heard everybody, this in two, everybody in, 
everybody in the sound of my voice, go on to Netflix right now. You're all at home. Uh, watch the LA 92 documentary. It's riveting. Should we also watch Generation Wealth? I, yes. Do you know how strongly I feel about it? No. I'm being told about oh, my. it. But... Oh, wait. Who's to, who, did I tell you guys? No. You told, told a mutual. Oh, I think it's fantastic. It, it blew my mind. Okay. Watch both yeah. of them. All right. Rodney says, I heard this in 2002 as a 16-year-old. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. I listened to it again for the Axel Grind Record Club. Thank you. Pros. Good musicians, good production, and obviously know how to structure songs. Cons. Vocals aren't good, and it can be pretty boring. I really don't like this album or this style of hardcore metalcore. I kind of hate it. Yeah, I kind of hate it, but I can acknowledge the musicianship. And that's totally fair. You know what I mean? Like, that's... A lot of that, you know, like, for example, he lists the, he, he says they obviously know how to structure songs. I think they do know how to structure songs. I just don't like how they structure songs per se. But also that's a little bit subjective, as is the vocals aren't good. I think there's, we've seen people love it and it can be pretty boring. Again, a pretty subjective thing. But that's a cool email and I actually appreciate that opinion. Um, and you've seen that there's a lot of, when you give stuff a listen, it, it gives you a better appreciation, whether you love it or you don't love it. Um, Dallas, uh, super excited about the record club. There are a number of older bands. I'm 22 that I'm unfamiliar with and haven't gotten around to checking out VOD included. This is my first time listening to them. And I actually really enjoyed the album. A lot of the riffs in the style of clean singing make me think every time I die are pulling heavily from this album. But this doesn't veer as far into Southern rock stuff that Every Time I Die would end up doing and stays a little bit more squarely in the metalcore lane. Thanks for the recommendation. Thanks, Dallas. Um, And they had some questions about something else that we'll touch somewhere else. Uh, And then let me see if there's anything else here. Uh, On Twitter, Mike Salerno says, Hated it when it was first released. Two years later, it clicked. As a whole, it may have aged better than the self-titled Torn. Could definitely trim some fat off fat off of By the River and Colorblind. Love how self-titled imprint and for the bleeders all sound different. Cool. Uh, decent sequel, nothing top self-titled uh, by Unparadoxical. And let's see. I'm trying to find a good one to close out on. Hmm. Here it is. Uh I can't even. Sass Master Flash says. <laughs> Go on. There we go, right? Late entry to Axe Grind Record Club by a loved imprint as a young tween getting into metalcore at the time. But nearly 20 years later, the production feels super flat, especially the vocals, and every song is at least one minute too long. It yeah. still has highlights, but a hard listen in 2020. All right. Neat. Um, do we have anything else? I mean, so overall... This was really cool. I liked. I actually liked getting the feedback. Next time around, I'll make sure we can split it up, and I'll give you guys some stuff to read, so I'm not just sitting out here all by myself. Uh, sure. <laughs> but anything so, else? So any closing admir- thoughts? Admirable job. Thank you. Uh, closing thoughts. Uh, I think this is a lot of fun. you think what? I thought this is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. same. It's the sort of nerdy shit that I like. 
Yeah, same. Um, so for the I'll next, the next, again. yeah, the next record club, which we'll do, and we'll do in a similar way, where it'll be kind of its own separate episode. We hope more people participate because the more the merrier. And um, look, the best recommendations I can give are go long, go short, but just try to be interesting as much as you can. We'll read as much as we can without it getting too crazy. Uh, we'll probably do less filler because we can just get right to our thoughts, then your thoughts, and then discuss in between. Um, the record we are doing is Bold Looking Back. Jesus. Our time. It is a uh, it is an interesting one, Patrick. Uh, let's do your presumptive. Well, you know what? Let's not let's not poison the well. You are yeah. not a bold guy, but you are giving this an open ear because, based on conversations with several people, including the two on this line right now, uh, we don't think your repulsion to it will be similar to that of the bold stuff that you know. Yes, that 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 is what you maintain, and I am going to maintain an open mind. Very good. We appreciate. All right, guys. Uh, thank you, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe.